हेलो एवरीबॉडी वेलकम टू द फोर्थ ऑफिशियल एपिसोड ऑफ द परमिशनलेस लर्निंग सीरीज बिफोर आई टेल यू गाइस व्हाट दिस कांसेप्ट मींस बी श्योर टू फॉलो अस ऑन क्लब हाउस सो दैट यू नेवर मिस एनी फ्यूचर इवेंट्स सो बेसिकली परमिशनलेस लर्निंग सिंपली मींस दैट वन शुडंट हैव टू सीक एनी परमिशन फ्रॉम ए सर्टेन इंस्टीट्यूट और कॉर्पोरेशन टू सीक नॉलेज uh or to learn a particular skill uh with the infinite resources available in this day and age uh, it is possible for us to move towards a self learning approach our today's speaker uh, miss uh, mr arun dwivedi uh, has been working with the indian space research organization for about a decade with a, a focus on developing um, metallic materials uh, which is his uh i'm sorry uh, he he's been working into metallic materials uh, required for various aerospace programs he is also responsible for ensuring the quality control activities of uh, these materials that are processed through different manufacturing processes uh, so let's start with uh, the first question uh, can you tell us about your journey yeah thank you madhvi thank you for the introduction uh, regarding the journey i had so far i started i am basically from uh, kanpur uttar pradesh i did my btech from uh, rec warangal and uh, i had been associated with uh, isro from 2011 onwards and uh, 2011 was the year uh, when i have introduced uh, to the space community where we are dealing with the different launch vehicles so in the last 10 decades we have come across different challenges uh, in the different manufacturing uh, segments related to materials manufacturing how to improve quality and uh, some challenges in the launch vehicle side also so in the last if you see our major uh, the milestones what we have seen over that uh, one decade was uh, like we had one uh, mars mission uh, we had the geostationary communication satellites so this uh, uh, this journey started you know with the when uh, as a new engineer when i joined isro i was not i was only knowing some basic concept not uh, uh, through depth knowledge of uh, uh, you know the various manufacturing uh, uh, processes uh, ndt requirements uh, what do you mean by quality of aerospace component i just had a general basic things but uh, as we move on we have come to know uh, different different new technologies uh, the you know revised one like what we have some uh, one decade back now the same thing is available uh, with the you know many um, more advanced features which is more suitable for our uh, quantifying the quality of our materials especially for critical aerospace applications then uh, this uh, overall quality requirements of uh, you know beginning from the scratch to the to the end product and delivering it to the project 
so this way i feel uh, you people have, uh, would have heard about uh, uh, the much much expected and uh, uh, much familiarized uh, mars mission which we have done i think uh, some uh, four years back and it was uh, really a, one of the challenge uh, yeah mangalyan it was really a challenge it was not directly related to the our uh, mankind kind of thing but uh, it was a new challenge as far as uh, exploring the interplanetary missions so right. the, uh, so this was the thing uh, uh, maybe over uh, when we move ahead i'll share some more experience uh, and challenges what i have come across in the last one decade after associating with uh, our isro yes that was interesting so in permissionless learning we talk about how uh, people from different backgrounds can uh, uh, have uh, learn uh, different skills and go into the particular field so uh, can you tell us about uh, some learnings that you learned uh, individually without having to uh, seek any permission from your institute uh, a skill that uh, also helped you uh, getting a job at isro the main thing the was thing was uh, how to handle the equipments you know for characterizing a materials there are certain tools which is known as a you know a specific metallurgist tool which includes your uh, uh, like microstructures to characterize the materials like uh, you know having basic uh, basic details about uh, uh, this thermal sensors uh, to monitor that uh, temperatures uh, certain devices like you would have come across some gauges to monitor the pressure and other variables yes. so when i was in institute uh, these all are part of uh, as a theoretical uh, you know knowledge yes there are uh, there will be classes and uh, you know we may get exposed to uh, what is the theoretical you know so many laws and so many corollaries and all but uh, uh, it was really interesting when i got a chance to have uh, to wet my hand on this uh, instrument and uh, this has really helped me when i joined in the isro uh, there also uh, being in a quality department where we need to characterize uh, the materials Uh, in case is there any problem and uh, in case we have to qualify some new materials uh, so really uh, like uh, uh, like this uh, different metallographic uh, techniques uh, mainly the common one is the optical microscope this has really helped me uh, while entering in the isro as a new guy and when my seniors uh, uh, saw me that uh, oh, i had some preliminary knowledge and uh, i can handle uh, some basic things so the further uh, learning and further picking up was uh, easy and faster uh, so that really helped me yes i do agree there a scientist should know how to use his instruments uh, moving forward uh, can you tell us about your uh, the most interesting project you worked on during your undergrad and uh, uh, at your uh, company as well the company that you were into before joining isro uh, fine uh, before joining isro uh, for a short uh, while i worked with the wellspun corp limited uh, 
which is also having uh, their main plant is in Gujarat, uh, mainly in the uh, district known as Anjar and in Badodra. And the head, their head office is in near Mumbai. So while working there, I got a challenge of developing the API grade uh, steels. You know, this uh, most of the onshore and offshore activities, they need API grade steels. API means uh, it's nothing but a uh, institute name, which is uh, known as American Petroleum Institute. They basically deals with the certification of what kind of material has to be used while putting the big, big pipelines uh, for supplying the uh, this uh, gaseous things as well as uh, oils reforms and all. Uh, sometime depending on which country the project is, sometimes they have to deal with the onshore activities that is very near to the sea level and all. So that was one of the challenge. I believe when I joined there, that was a new project we got. And even one of uh, our head that time, uh, they were also in the, you know, in the kind of discussion that what, uh, uh, what need to be done, what is the right uh, manufacturing. Uh, we were having the rolling mill, but what are the right manufacturing uh, parameters? Uh, what chemistry will give us? Because uh, it's like a, uh, not a general structural application kind of thing not the general grades which are readily available. So that was one challenge. And uh, as a new engineer there, I got this challenge with the full support of my uh, seniors. And I took it up and we did some trials. And after that, uh, it was a great success. Uh, we could be able to deliver them uh, uh, right from the beginning, from the plate to the uh, pipe and uh, it was qualified and uh, i think after that we got a full order of that api shore onshore applications so that was one challenge uh, which it uh, was my first challenge i can say which i have been uh, interested after joining a after starting a professional career that's interesting so following up on uh, the answer that you gave uh, so I believe uh, in uh, the saline water or offshore and onshore, uh, so uh, any material that uh, if, if we consider a block of a uh, XYZ material, which is uh, on the ground and one which is uh, in the uh, saline water in the sea. So can you think about any uh, material that behaves exactly the same way in, uh, I mean, gives out uh, exactly the same properties in both the conditions? Uh, I believe sal salinity has a lot of uh, effect on the material oh, behavior yeah. and material properties. And uh, also the uh, water corrosion that would happen on the uh, material so any material you could think of that behaves exactly the same way in both the cases and uh, a material that behaves completely different when uh, it is uh, in the water or it is on ground yes madhvi i think you have asked uh, very good questions a very good question regarding this and uh, just i will explain some basic uh, and then i will come to your answer uh, what is happening is when we work in the normal ambient temperature, almost all the materials, they behave, uh, you know, they will meet uh, all the specific requirements and uh, they may not show any much abnormal behavior. Uh, 
it is almost similar to like us you know when it comes to humans also we will say that the real test of man's begins or humans begins when we are under some extreme conditions like under stress like under you know the condition which we are not favorable which we are not uh, just familiar with so the same happens with the materials also in the normal conditions everything will give you the results but when you are having some conditions like uh, inside the water you are having a corrosive atmosphere as you told then temperature also will be slightly lesser than your uh, room temperature ambient temperature then other factors like there may be some salinity there may be some others uh, uh, some elements also which may not be uh, you know which may not be you know, some uh, having a good impact on the materials so there is the main challenge what kind of material we can select for example we can take a steel you can find the steels a lot of uh, product in uh, with the steels but and that same steel you can use in uh, you know in on sure application also but the thing will be the life of the your project the life of your uh, like in this case it was a, a pipe a fuel pipe supply kind of thing so the life will be drastically reduced because this steel which is not meant for offshore if we are using it may give up it may withstand the this adverse situation but slowly and slowly it will give up and the life will be hardly for one year and two year so there's to increase the life and to reduce the risk of failure we are choosing either we are making the available steel itself by altering some uh, tweaking some chemical composition and giving some kind of protection coating and all either we will make the available material itself suitable for those condition or we will go for any other alloys which is having superior such properties so in this case if you take uh, what we have done we have customized a new grade earlier if you see if uh, if any one of you can uh, uh, just google it api grades you may find there are varieties of grades are available starting from grade 20 and going up to grade 70 uh, now i believe people are talking about grade 80 and grade 85 this grades are nothing but it is just by altering some chemical composition and some process optimization they have just enhanced some of their characteristics so that it can be made useful for their application point of view so that way what we did we were having some api grades we have gone through their chemistry we have understood their characterization and then we understood what are the lacunas what are the points where we need to enhance we need to support it and accordingly we have just did some uh, modification in those areas alone uh, where we need uh, to strengthen the, that grade and we and it has been given a new name Uh, that like that grade was uh, api 70 and by making such alterations the same material the same parent grade which got a new name has been successfully implemented and used in those adverse situation also which was considered as a not favorable situation for their parent grades so that way that way the 
main uh, material what we are doing as a main material people is that first we get the information that what are the application what are the condition we have to face or material has to face and then accordingly either the existing grade or a new grade of the same parent material or in a rare uh, rare occasion it may happen that we may feel that there is a superior different alloy itself is existing which can be used for getting more superior results so either we may go for an entirely new alloy so this way only we are judging and this way only uh, we are making sure that the right material should get the right application right this is very important uh, arun i've uh, taken yeah john, yes john continue. arun when you are talking about this corrosion and all hello arun? yeah john yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sorry uh, actually when you are talking about this corrosion and all so uh, this is an electrochemical process taking place between the mat uh, material and the environmental factors huh? and correct uh, correct correct without any interference by us this this process takes place uh, correct 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 uh, can you uh, tell something about the like uh, like i see from a philosophical aspect okay this thing yeah yeah so so it is like something like see you compare the metal to a boy करोजन it itself is uh, okay. healing the material or uh, or giving more uh, uh, more uh, integrity to the material can you talk about such technologies uh, fine fine uh, here only john one uh, uh, one small thing i i want to say that uh, we should not uh, compare this saline water uh, to a girl why because uh this saline water will act as a you know it will have a, a very adverse effects mm -hmm. so it will uh, it, it it's like you can treat it as a villain so okay, okay <laughs> girls also, so girls also can be villain but uh, let us okay. <laughs> so what is happening is uh, as you are right if we assume that so uh, if suppose by having such process where the two elements are joining and we are getting a positive effect then yes we are we are encouraging such process like if you have seen in most of these techniques what we are doing uh, to prevent the corrosion what we are doing we are uh, we are introducing some elements uh, intentionally to make sure that ki instead of this materials mingles with some other elements and get it health deteriorated it will mingle with the element which we want to which we want that to is, him to that mingle. is like arranged marriage yeah you can say like arranged marriage so if you see this corrosion if you see this corrosion techniques or this what we are taking the preventive steps one is the passivation pickling and passivation so passivation what we are doing 
we are enriching the surface with some elements like chromium and we deliberately want this material to make a chromium rich oxide in its surface so that it will be in contact with chromium only and it will be it will not further come into contact with any kind of any further impurities or any other uh, uh, you know uh, particles or uh, elements which are present in the atmosphere so thus no, i am asking arun uh, are there any such research going on on uh, like uh, uh, so this is an all like uh, you are telling chromium when we are putting so it is a external factor we are introducing and there is process cost involved in everything so what correct, correct. Is, so uh, before, before hello sorry to interrupt you all uh, let me introduce john to the audience first john uh, works at isro works in the same department as arun and uh, yeah so uh, arun sir you can continue yeah john you are asking yeah so why not uh, we uh, try to use the natural processes and avoid this processing costs like in aluminum case what happens so why are we not the, the making such novel alloys no that is also there john if you if you see we are having a series of alloys but what happens john sometime the situation demands that uh, suppose we have to met 10 requirements so our the uh, our alloy which may have some poor corrosion resistance but it is meeting the you know uh, nine requirement with a a plus grade marks so only yeah, yeah. only only one uh, one lacuna he may be having like you know we all uh, we may be good in maths we may be good in physics but sometime we may not good in chemical chemistry and all so yes. same way so in that way what is happening is although there may be a novel material available which may be having this 10th correct uh, characteristics much superior to this one which we are going to select but since uh, this uh, this uh, candidate uh, is having nine uh, good characteristics and only one thing is lagging so just by giving such kind of uh, 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 this uh, passivation kind of you know some external things we may make him that uh, he can do the job he can become the best candidate and other thing uh, john while selecting this uh, materials also the cost also plays a major role the readily availableness also plays a uh, uh, one role so what we are making sure that ki suppose uh, if a readily available candidate if a local candidate we can groom it to the level that it can take care uh, without having much investment so that will be our first option but as you rightly pointed out yes i think work is going on uh, there are many alloys which even uh, people are telling that you put it in the any environment any harsh environment and you forget about it they will take care nothing will happen to them such kind of things are also there so following upon what you said uh, uh, you were talking a lot about a lot of about uh, alloys that are currently being used uh, in the space industry so can you tell us about uh, any super alloy that is currently uh, being used uh, for space missions and uh, that uh, are changing the dynamics of uh, metallurgy or material science yeah, yes ma'am very interesting question if you see our space aerospace application what happen is you can divide the entire launch vehicle into uh, three segments one segment will be 
which is experiencing a lot of uh, high temperature like you can see the nozzle end from where this uh, flumes after combustion is coming out then second segment you can say that where there may not be a uh, you know much a temperature variation but there may be some structural load is coming so it has to be a more stiff and third segment you can divide into the, those uh, uh, those segments which are facing a very less temperature even less than the room temperature of the order of 77 k so now the super alloys uh, as the name itself is you know super they are not an ordinary alloys they should be treated as a like superman so what happen is in the harsh situation where your temperature is very high a normal alloy cannot withstand such temperature so we need some superman kind of alloys which can not only withstand such a high temperature but they can performed also they can you know give a very good performance even such harsh environment so we are using typically if you see the super alloys which we are taking care is mainly of nickel based super alloy we are using cobalt based super alloys we are having iron nickel based super alloys also so this alloys their main characteristics will be at such a high temperature they will uh, they will had a very good heat resistance they will have a very good strength they will even at such a high temperature they will not undergo any kind of deformation which we called in a technical terms as a creep and stress rupture strength we they, they will all withstand and uh, in that plume whatever they are coming out you may see it will be oxygen enriched so there is always a chance that some kind of oxidation happens so these alloys will also have very good oxidation resistance so these are the main uh, characteristics of these super alloys which we are exploiting and uh, making it in our uh, favor to be used at uh, those segments where such harsh condition of high temperature exist right uh, this was a very interesting answer uh so coming down to a subject that i know many of uh, the audiences uh, would know about uh, is additive manufacturing so many of the uh, rocket engine parts are currently been uh, uh, 3d printed by many companies like spacex and uh, many private companies and also nasa so uh, does isro also uh, 3d print uh, any of the uh, metal parts and uh, how what is the process that uh, uh, involves uh, the 3d printing yes madhavi again you have put a very good question uh, i can tell you 3d printing is the future and it is having a capacity of replacing so many process like casting process like your forging process right now as you told uh, americans russians and all they are uh, they are they are far ahead from us and they are i think they have made even small small rockets uh, you know one complete stage by 3d printing although we have not reached to that extent but yes we have also started manufacturing the small small component and uh, you know uh, to use to adopt any new process in the critical application like aerospace segment it needs a lot of qualification it has to undergo a lot of test lot of qualification 
first we get we give emphasis on generating a lot of data so that we can get confidence and then once we are uh, you know once we are confident about the process then only we will integrate uh, such process component into the launch vehicle so if you talk about isro we are at the stage where we are doing all this qualification we have made the components and we are characterizing the different properties considering the so many vast uh, you know parameters uh, so we have not reached to the stage of implementing it right now but we have now coming to the what are the uh, uh, various additive manufacturing process which are uh, you know gaining momentum all across the globe so uh, i will i can tell you you can find you know people are giving numerous names of their process but i to keep the things simple i'll just tell you to remember only three things when it comes to additive manufacturing process the first thing is what is the source uh, most of the additive manufacturing process they are using the lasers as a source to melt the feed stock then second thing will be what is the feed stock you are giving some people are using other powder particles as a feed stock some people are using the uh, wire kind of, uh, you know in the form of wire uh, same chemical composition electrode uh, for the feed stock so this is the second parameter and the third parameter is what kind of equipment uh, you are using for doing the uh, you know 3d printing so if you combine these three parameters uh, you can make so many permutation and combination and you will come to know so many names like you may come to know about uh, uh, one typical name is powder bed fusion uh, process it's added to manufacturing powder stand for the feed stock which is used for printing the component fusion means the process in the machine that is it is completely melting it so powder bed fusion process so there will be a bed kind of thing within the within the 3d printing chamber this chamber where the powder will be you know will be spreaded and the laser will come and it will fuse the powder then once it is fused again the second layer will come and like that it will continue till you get your finished component so these are the so if you uh, if you uh, see these three parameters what i have told whatever name you will come across you will be able to uh, you know analyze it that uh, what kind of 3d uh, process it is so this is the brief about additive manufacturing and uh, uh, as i as i told you earlier that uh, it would take some more time for us to you know fully under fully understood fully characterize the different alloys uh, via additive manufacturing route and then only we will be uh, integrating this uh, uh, this process components in our uh, launch vehicles so so far we have not uh, come to that stage okay. so uh, just jump in here madhvi because this is very yeah. interesting you know this this for two minutes uh, you mentioned yeah. that uh, you know arun you mentioned that uh, uh, 3d printing is the future when it comes to these processes yes But, yes uh, like currently we are in a very nascent or early stage of that so uh, are there any you know specific challenges that come to mind when uh, when you're talking about uh, you know 3d printing through like fusing powder or 
extrusion or any of those processes yeah yeah object very good i think a very good question you have asked uh, the main challenge is what exists is uh, you see first thing is the maximum a machine or equipment which we are having to build a 3d printing component this is one limitation like a small small component we can build but suppose if we have to build a 42 meter tall launch vehicle so it's a challenge so one challenge is the size then second thing is as your size increases what happen is in this process a directional melting is happening so a directionality come into the picture but if you see what we want is we want isotropic kind of things that means in all the direction we want uh, uniform properties but the challenge in the additive manufacturing will be the more the size in one particular direction you can say the jet direction that is the third dimension there will be a, there is all we have also seen that there is a chance that the properties are getting deteriorated so this is a second challenge then the third challenge is when it comes to a complex shape so what happen is uh, we have to give uh, some kind of support otherwise because of its own weight it's a possibility that the entire structure will get collapsed once it reaches to some threshold uh, weight and all so we need to for complex geometries we need to have a provision that we should give some additional supports so 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 that uh, the complex shapes also we can able to realize the, uh, without uh, you know wasting much uh, feed stock or input material then there is one more interesting point uh, like if you see that most of this additive manufacturing they used the powders they want powders as a input material but if you see for general alloys like if you want aluminum alloys some general grade if you want steel some general grade like austenitic stainless steel these powders are readily available but if tomorrow some requirement comes where we want to have a component by 3d printing by some specific super alloys so to get that desired a powder for starting the additive manufacturing process is itself is a challenge so people are working on that i believe now if you see uh, people have already come up especially the americans and europeans and they have uh, devised they have developed a series of powders of a series of alloys uh, so that is also one thing but still there are certain things which uh, even Uh, most of the scientist communities are also telling that these uh, realizing the powder itself is a challenging task so for some particular alloys uh, we are not opting for additive manufacturing actually in this additive manufacturing around uh, now even yeah. 4d printing has come up so in 4d yeah, printing yeah. basically what happens is uh, this uh, external stimuli when we apply like we, when you we are talking about this z directional problem and all so by uh, having some external stimuli it becomes a time dependent process so i just wanted to add it uh, add in that also correct correct yeah john you you, you have told correct point this body this thing is also there so by this kind of some advancement we are also hopeful that whatever the drawbacks which we are thinking today we may able to overcome in future
yeah and yeah. the other the other aspect is the cost dimension like to develop a, even a complicated casting it will cost you around 1 or 2 lakhs but i think the same thing in 3d printing around you have any idea how much it would uh, cost me it will be around some uh, you know the cost wise it is higher only as compared to investment casting but what we hopeful that since because it's a new process people uh, uh, want more to characterize so that is why now their cost is some 20 to 25 percent more as compared to the conventional casting process but over a period of time when it will be well understood like some other conventional process then i believe cost will also get uh, you know it will reduced and it will be almost uh, uh, either it will be in the similar lines or sometime it may become cheaper also yes sir yeah yeah very interesting question john and abhijit uh, so uh, i wanted to ask so uh, arun and john uh, both of you all work into the quality department and the uh, testing department so uh, if i think about uh, testing products uh, that are made into the automobile or uh, space industry there are two kinds of uh, testing one is destructive testing and one is non destructive testing so my question is uh, what kind of uh, testing procedures are uh, used when it comes to a 3d material 3d printed material versus that of a traditionally made material like forged cast uh, and casting material or forged material or uh, material that has been machined what are uh, the differences yeah madhvi it's a very very good question once again uh, that too with quality point of view it's a very important question also uh, so the main difference will be madhvi like we first of all uh, we have to understand the process so as i was telling you that in additive manufacturing there is a chance that we may get a certain uh, properties uh, deterioration in one specific direction so if you see a general process like a forging process you take what we are doing is uh, we know we have taken the input stock we have done the forgings we have brought it to the finished component so we know that there is no directionality so we are testing in x direction or y direction here x direction i can tell you it will be along the forging direction and y direction will be perpendicular to the forging direction so instead of calling xy i think this will be more appropriate if we uh, define in terms of forging direction so in additive manufacturing what is happening is we have to add the testing requirements in apart from these two direction in some inclined direction also so here the testing uh, you know direction is governed by which direction printing is happening so this is one thing second thing is uh, in our normal uh, forging operation where all the parameters and all are almost freezed optimized uh, there is uh, we are not disturbing it so what is happening is this uh, machine level qualification and all doesn't come into picture but when we go for the additive manufacturing machine the equipment which is going to uh, build the 3d printing is also one important factor so a machine qualification also comes into the picture now when machines qualification is coming then we have to ensure that the entire corner the entire space of that chamber machine chamber should get uh, qualified so our 
testing plan will be entirely different as what we are following in a conventional forging process so their number of samples will be more than nature of testing will be almost the same because nature of testing depends upon uh, the alloys and the application so if suppose if you are doing a super alloy by forging and if you are doing a super alloy by additive manufacturing since we know that the final application is uh, high temperature so the nature of testing like uh, stress rupture test uh, creep test uh, mechanical property test uh, these and all will be same but yes there will be a demark uh, difference when it comes to the sampling plan which counts how many number of sample in which direction uh, and the second thing when it comes to non destructive part so yes there will be a uh, significant change for example in case of forgings if you see uh, ultrasonic testing is one of the mostly used common and popular in this, uh, this uh, non destructive test which we are using and uh, depending on the shape and the size of the product we may choose whether we have to go for a longitudinal wave uh, uh, test or we have to go for shear wave test basically we call it normal beam or angle beam but when it comes to additive manufacturing component what is happening is we have to see what kind of component we are uh, we are uh, building then second thing what kind of nature of defects we are expecting so unlike forgings where we will see the defects like uh, cracks will be there sometime burst will be there alligator kind of thing will be there so in additive manufacturing those defect will be entirely different than the forging process here we are uh, we are uh, most likely to get like gaseous porosities we will be get some fusion lack of fusion kind of thing that means two layer when we are fusing it it is not fused properly there is some gap so depending on these factors we are selecting we have to select what is the best ndt method we can use so unlike in forgings where we are uh, using most commonly ultrasonic testing here it may happen that uh, we are going for radiography testing which is having more probability of detection for volumetric kind of defects like gaseous based and any voids and any kinds of, uh, of lack of fusions and all so in ndt this kind of changes will come and overall the testing mechanism will be governed by uh, what machine we are going to use what is the size of the um, uh, our component and what is the shape of the component whether uh, uh, ultrasonic is feasible if not feasible radiography we have to anyhow we have to do and for doing radiography once again we have to make a plan that how to keep the film how much uh, area we are able to cover so these kind of differences will come when we qualify uh, you know both a conventional process with additive manufacturing process okay. that actually, was interesting yeah john arun, you can continue yeah arun actually so since we were talking about radiography and ultrasonics and uh, this is permissionless learning so i believe uh, like you know these kind of small certification courses about isnt you can uh, enumerate yeah yeah. yeah 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 okay i that uh, you know like john has uh, uh, bring out a you know very relevant point which all the organization especially the defense sector aerospace sector avionics sectors uh, you know they always see this as a preliminary basic requirement 
so the person who has to evaluate who has to do this kind of non destructive testing so there are certain professional certification course which will be run by the forum like isnt asnt so depending on your experience depending on the uh, your the nature of uh, work and uh, the uh, how long you have uh, you know you have exposed to certain ndt techniques they will be giving a personal certification of level 1 level 2 level 3 uh, so if so these kind of certification is like a added confidence to a individual as well as to a organization who is going to take or who is going to give such kind of evaluation responsibility to individual that yes this person is capable of handling and evaluating uh, this techniques and what are the results uh, coming out of this techniques these are the things right uh, john do you want to talk about uh, the various non destructive testing methods used for i mean the question that i previously asked to around do you want to maybe uh, add yeah, add yeah. anything to that yeah actually arun pretty much posting uh, about what we are using in uh, 3d printing and also in general i started my career at uh, non destructive testing only so yeah yeah correct correct yes <laughs> yeah so definitely like how he was telling we need to get uh, this uh, certifications and all to uh, so uh, to get, to be having the skills and according to your skills you go and get the certifications and all so in our lab uh, in addition to this conventional radiography we had digital radiography and now we have this uh, ct also and computer tomography and uh, so uh, yeah it's a very interesting and evolving field because uh, uh, as the time progresses and the technology progresses we are going uh, more easily into seeing inside the materials it's just like a you get a feeling like of being a doctor like how a doctor is doing an mri and seeing under inside you and detecting right. the fault you and perfectly uh, summed up it yeah. yeah yeah continue yeah. yeah i think that's it yeah yeah so uh, i think uh, i'd like to open the mic to the audiences and uh, so uh, we are talking about uh, space exploration space colonization in this day uh and uh, multi millionaires are going to space to just uh you know get the thrill and uh, know what it is like going into space uh we also have uh this terminology uh, called as asteroid mining uh with uh, you know scientists are working on mining other celestial objects and asteroids are uh, known to have uh abundance of materials precious materials uh, and volatile materials like uh, uh, like hydrocarbons and uh, precious materials like uh, gold and platinum so uh, i want to ask this question to the audiences i mean what are your uh, takes on this uh, uh, should we mine asteroid to get rich or will it be a waste of time uh pranav anant do you want to talk about it renuka bhageshri
uh, you'll have to so add them to the audience. Yeah. Destroyed minding and all. Uh, uh, so the thing is, I think uh, the person who will be able to really perform this asteroid asteroid mining will become uh, the first trillionaire. Right. If I'm, right. If I'm correct, and that is more than the GDP of many countries. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so the thing is, uh, like, when we, uh, see metals, only the the uh, the value we give to them. So, so even if you get uh, tons and tons of gold from an asteroid and uh, bring bring, see one one aspect is to study the. a uh, biology of those asteroids and look into the possibility of extraterrestrial life and other uh, other some scientific experiments that is one thing so i prefer that we go that route and not the route of this exploiting resources because we we have already exploited earth let's not exploit space too and let's be uh, judicious in our approach uh can i just jump in and say that i really uh, you know respect and agree with john's view point here it's a it's a very you know good point yeah anand do you want to talk about it yeah uh actually i wanted to talk more on the quality and testing so uh, uh nasa in last year uh, was able to take a closer picture of uh, sun's uh, atmosphere and the layers there uh with the solar orbiter coming close to almost half the distance of earth so i want to know how do you uh, test your materials uh to last in that kind of heat and temperature and how do you simulate that environment on earth yeah anant i think you have uh, it's a very good question uh so to start with what test we have to do first we are just a basic thing i'll tell you that we have to think what can happen when you are going to a such a high temperature what can happen so if you see the as the temperature start you know increasing there is a chance that uh, we may get some deformation you know uh, like yes. uh, like if you keep uh, one object one simple object uh, in a very ice atmosphere it will become freeze and become very hard you bring it out and keep in a normal condition it will you know some it will be more little bit more softer and as you keep it in a very high and high temperature it will be about you know his strength and all will be about to reduce 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 and finally it will come to a stage where it will become a fluid kind of thing like a jelly kind of thing you would have seen some jelly pops and something is coming as a candy so what we want to see is if we are going to uh, use the material in such environment so first thing is it should withstood it should have such strength to withstood such kind of uh, environment second thing it should not get you know much deformation because of the temperature so there is what the creep strength comes to picture creep strength if we define it is nothing but at a certain temperature if you apply certain load so the deformation the material should not go more than some predefined deformation so we used to do a creep test second thing is stress ruptured test which is also Uh, same way in the like the creep test only difference will be while doing creep the load will be constant but while doing a stress rupture test 
your load will also vary so these are the some specific test which a material has to undergo just before selecting that material for you know such a high temperature environment uh, here arun i think uh, this uh, silica tiles uh, uh, we also do uh, uh, like silica tiles is pre predominantly used as this reentry uh, protection layer and all so we also do this uh, coordinate uh, testing machine tests of it and we generate the whole profile and then the whole profile is by simulation goes through the deformation and those loads and all are studied and then calculations are made as necessary yes john this this john what you have told na this is the secondary part of the thing the first part what we are seeing is what we are trying to evaluate is that once we are going to expose our material to that temperature first thing is what kind of deformation it can come then second yeah, thing yeah. is to validate those thing we are having the cmm coordinates measurement also just to quantify that whether when we tell that ki the linear expansion will be only of the order of 10 to power minus 6 whether it is in line with that or whether we are getting any surprises yes arun yeah and one more important point john regarding the silica tiles you see the there the main application is that when we are you know crossing our atmosphere or when we are reentering in our atmosphere so yeah. because of this atmosphere the maximum frictional effect because of this friction we will yeah. get a lot of heat will be generated yes 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 so so there that is the reason why the silica tiles has been used it is basically not a metallic material it comes in the category of non metallic and ceramics materials exactly yes uh, anybody in the audience wants to ask uh, any question or initiate a discussion uh, you're free to do that just apply to be a speaker and i shall add you as the speaker anybody uh, i mean do you guys have any doubts or questions that you want to ask yeah just yeah just uh, uh, i want to know how many like uh, what all space exploration projects that uh, isro is targeting to in the near future so like we did a mars mission for mars exploration but what are we doing to have like maybe in the solar system or beyond the solar system apart from like manned missions so uh uh currently anand i will i will be only commenting that uh definitely there will be some interplanetary missions but uh, because of uh, our limitation i cannot uh, uh, brief you much about them uh, but like we did the mars mission and you know that uh, Uh, we have although it's a great success but still we are not satisfied because of uh, some uh, disruption uh, during the landing of our rover so uh, definitely there will be missions but right now uh, i will not be able to you know uh, tell you much about that uh, because of uh, our uh, organization limitations 
Yeah, okay. I believe there might even be some security concern. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Abhijit, there you are. Okay, so uh, like when uh, you're planning a mission, which is more important to have a manned mission for exploration or an unmanned mission? Yeah, you see, going with a man is always, you know, a great challenge and with a great responsibility because somebody brothers sisters will be going and it's our responsibility to bring them back also safely so with the man mission there will be definitely challenges will be there so what we are trying is what we are attempting is that first uh, instead of a man let us send some humanites uh, kind of uh, a thing explore the thing uh, get the reliability, get the repeatability, check the parameters, variables, whether they are in line with our expectation or is there anything abnormal, study those, analyze those. And if the once we reach to the stage that, yes, we are confident, uh, definitely you see maybe the uh, uh, second or third flight may, we may have a manned mission flight also, but not in the beginning. Okay, so uh, like uh, what I wanted to know is, so if we are sent, doing an unmanned mission for exploration of any planetary object or maybe in space only, do we actually need to do a manned mission? Like does that get, uh, get us something that an uh, unmanned mission didn't get? I think John is a better person to answer this. No, so this, uh, see when you get into the domain of space itself it has more been always a political domain rather than a technical domain so it is this uh, the, the impending doom of third world war which was uh, by i mean diverted by this space race so it uh, always has space has a defense implication also and this kind of manned missions and all are uh, not only for pride but also there are some certain things which are not told outside but yeah they do have some implications and uh, i believe money is not simply just wasted we do have uh, pretty responsible people governing these things so i think beyond a level we should not uh, question also because we don't have all the uh, necessary uh, information due to security reasons to come to conclusions okay okay uh, so uh, yeah, sorry, Mark again. <laughs> but just one point, since Arun asked about future missions also, I think uh, publicly available data, uh, sorry, Anant, my bad. So Anant, uh, there is publicly available data. If uh, you know, you look up isro.gov.in slash missions, I think that should, uh, you know, give you some idea. Uh, yeah. Yes, and I think uh, this Gaganyan mission that ISRO is uh, launching in th this year itself, uh, as I've read in the uh, articles, uh, it will carry a humanoid robot, right? Arun, John, you can... Uh, yes, 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 Madhvi, right. yes. So uh, that is also, I mean, uh, all these space agencies have been... Uh, sending out dummies uh, for testing purposes, uh, you know, just uh, initially it was animals and then uh, now it is uh, dummies. So they either send robots 
or they send dummies uh, for testing purposes uh, because we don't want uh, another challenger or columbia disaster is what i feel uh, and also uh, this is a question in particular uh, particularly very interesting to me so uh, we we were talking about uh, non destructive testing when it comes to uh, objects that we can see so uh, coming down to uh, scaling down to nano materials uh, how do we test nano materials for nano materials there will be a different setup of nde equipments uh, the main will be if you come to know about this there will be sophisticated uh, uh, microscopes which is like uh, tem will be there which is nothing but a electron microscope so because when we go to the sub scale level or to the level of nano material size and all uh, to get a more and more information it is very much required that we should have the equipment also to study such kind of uh, you know the spacing which will be of the order of uh, some uh, uh, nano nano wavelength or pico wavelength so there we are using the this kind of uh, uh, sophisticated uh, equipment and recently there is one new uh, technique which is known as ebsd technique which is nothing but electron back scattering diffraction technique there by you know by uh, they will be able to by sending some nano some uh, waves and all uh, they will be able to characterize the crystal structure grains orientation texture all this kind of uh, very minor details they will be able to characterize and i believe now it is very famous all the iits definitely you know all their studies will be always complemented by such kind of ebsd analysis also so our this ndt technique like what we are doing is ultrasonic testing radiography then this dye penetrant eddy current these will not be helpful in when we come down to such a small scale right right uh, any nanomaterials isro is currently working on i think there is a lot uh, but uh, i may not be able to tell you because it's not my domain uh, but there is lot of materials okay so uh, 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 i i would also like to ask uh this uh, question regarding uh, biosynthesis or biomimetics so a lot of uh, design goes uh, by studying uh, animals and birds how they fly how is their uh, i mean how how are the angle at which they uh, have their wings uh, so you know design features like that and it is incorporated into uh, our day to day machines uh so the eagle uh, the yeah the e eagle inspired uh scientists to come up with uh, flights uh, aeroplanes so uh, i was reading this article uh, regarding biosynthesis of nanomaterials or in, for for that matter any material can be biosynthesized by uh, mimeting uh, mimet, uh, 
yeah so mimicking the nature so do you want to talk about that do you have uh, any ideas on it actually madhavi ji madhavi ji mimicking uh, i uh, it is uh, the with the kind of uh, te- uh, like technology we have it, it has been proved that uh, it, it is a very inefficient way to achieve our goals Okay. So, like philosophically, people say, let's not try to mimic God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, John, to jump in here, you know, I think uh, if the question would be sort of maybe on a, a more principle sort of level, uh, uh, seeing if biomimicry could help. So, maybe not biosynthesis per se, but the way we have aerodynamics, uh, right, which was. Uh, at least partially you know through the study of nature like madhavi also said so maybe in that sense are, are there any other fields or domains that might be emerging uh, which you might be able to you know uh, help us out on uh, not really i'm not uh, i i don't think i can comment much on that sorry okay Uh, no madhavi i also it's i think it's not my cup of tea uh, i also will not be able to comment on that but regarding this biosynthesis what uh, one point i want to uh, bring uh, madhavi that uh, it is re- it is not applicable for uh, you know metallic materials it is mainly uh, you know for uh, chemical compounds and uh, other things uh, uh, some uh, work they are doing but definitely not in the metallic materials field okay right uh, anybody in the audiences want to ask anything uh, sure yeah i had a question uh, so uh, this is more want of... to ask uh, yeah am i audible hello uh, so i have a question uh, or at least yeah, a couple if uh, yeah so it's just an open question i just want to throw it out there but uh, you know we talked about uh, tolerances and the sort of extreme conditions that materials need to endure in space um one example that i sort of read about was the mars rover's wheels because apparently on mars the environment is very abrasive so when they sort of equipped it with the more traditional alloy wheels uh, those started to erode and then the uh, nasa i believe is coming up with this nitinol material which uh, deforms but then if you apply i think heat or current i'm not sure one of those if you apply then it goes back to its original shape so are there any such materials that maybe isro is exploring or anything along those lines yes akash such materials are known as shape memorialize you know uh, like as you told they may undergo some changes uh, depending on the surroundings conditions but once the surrounding conditions you know uh, it's normalized then they will again come back and they will retain their original uh, shapes so we call it as a shape memorialize and uh, uh, i think right now uh, we are not uh, uh, our launch vehicle part say we are not using it it, it is not getting used but in this satellite point of view uh, i think some work is going on especially in that solar panels and all which has to be automatically you know expand and contract depending on uh, 
the uh, requirement and all i think some work I is going on those, there uh, i believe those are inspired by origami so they inflate and they can compress back yes yeah. yes yeah. yeah yes i think the drd was involved more into this yeah john yes yes yeah materials mm. because in some shape memory yeah. i have heard some topics being discussed by drdo people so isro per se because in our launch vehicle and uh, okay as arun is saying that uh, satellite related it might be there so uh, so our satellite center is in bangalore so we i am not much aware of that also no some small thing will be there like this nickel titanium if you see this is one of the relevant shape memorialize but uh, as john told uh, we don't have much requirement in our launch vehicle but yes uh, satellite uh, some work is there i believe these kind of meta materials are also uh, used in soft robotics where the robot can uh, change its shape uh, abhijit you can ask you uh, had a I, question so am i audible now am i audible now yeah yeah yeah, yeah uh, i'd like to ask a question so i had a more general science fiction type question for both arun and john or anyone else if they would like to answer but uh what do you think of terraforming like if we are colonizing another planet uh, i mean we would need to set up some sort of human li- livable environment there so i mean uh, terraforming if you might heard of it i guess mo- it's mostly a science fiction concept where you i guess uh, change yeah. the environment of a planet to support human life or um, or is it better to i guess create artificial environments there just a generic question akash so since uh, you, uh, you are talking about terraforming and all so uh, see uh, this is a very like ethical question first of all uh, that you know uh, 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 the thing, the thing of sustainable development. So, do we pass on to our future generations the best abilities possible to achieve their own aspirations? And uh, if we are terraforming and all, definitely as a science concept, it uh, so science has lot of spin-off technologies coming. Like space science, though we are wasting so much, people might say they are wasting so much money. But there are like some awesome uh, spin-off technologies coming out of it. ISRO is working on. uh heart pumps you know so uh, so there is a lot to be done for humanity and to uh, to reach the lower layers to and that is what isro is all about to reach the millions and to democratize you know uh, and to give them a, a good uh, lifestyle so that that is the uh, philosophy which we operate might be this terraforming and all will be of interest to those billionaires who have a lot to you know just uh, throw out okay okay that's an interesting take on it uh, arun uh, uh, do you have any thoughts on this yeah abhit uh, like one aspect john has told uh, other aspect uh, you can take it uh, uh, like the way the resources in the earth is uh, you know depleting and the way uh, we are expanding it might happen happen that uh, 
we may reach to that stage where you know it will be a super saturated level stage and in that case uh, if for the survival of humankind if something is required uh, so if somebody have an idea of uh, how to do and uh, how to go uh, you know explore the possibilities outside the planet of you know so if you see in that aspect maybe not now maybe after some two decades or three decades uh, who knows or after some uh, you know 50 60 years if such kind of possibilities comes maybe that time it may come handy also to save or uh, you know for our survival but as of now i believe i totally agree with the point of view what john has told Oh, okay. Uh, Shramik, uh, you raised your hand. I've invited you to the stage. I'm not sure. Um, maybe Madhavi, you can try adding him. Uh, mean. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's here. Cool. Uh, Shramik, if you hey. could. Yeah. Hey. Hey, sorry, I I got clipped uh, out for a moment, and I've been clipping out since I'm on my mobile data. So I'm really really sorry about it. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> yeah, please uh, go on with your question. Yeah. So I mean, uh, it's more or less uh, regarding uh, the way we perceive things. I mean, uh, we we have to correct the clocks on International Space Station. So every so every so often, uh, I suppose there is a, I I think there is billionth of difference in in time, and they have to keep correcting it, right? So I wanted to gain more information on how, why they have to do that, and how how does that difference split difference happen in in the timings of it? Hello. I'm sorry. Uh, I I am sorry. I am not uh, like aware of that. Uh, this is this is uh, what I have heard before, and that the clocks on the International Space Station uh, has to be corrected uh, for some fraction of time, uh, and and there is a difference between the time on Earth and and the time on the International Space Station. Uh, i think uh, uh, shamik i i may not be able to comment on that as i mm-hmm. really don't know the any specific uh, you know uh, reason mm-hmm. but uh, if you see overall concept if you take mm-hmm. uh, we need to synchronize uh, you know uh, things with respect to our geo synchronous uh, mm-hmm. uh, with respect to earth rotation and all yeah so it might be something related to that but uh, i'm uh, really not sh- sure about uh, you know pinpoint answer i don't have yeah it it, it might be one probability yeah. what i'm telling you yeah i i could be wrong with that and i might have the incorrect information with me and i just wanted to get it corrected as well it's it's better to go ask the experts than going on the internet and believing on on the folks that actually write this stuff over there could be could could be wrong and could could not be wrong so i thought maybe i i'd get that concept corrected out here so uh shramik uh, i am not a scientist i'll put a full disclaimer out there i don't know much about this either but from what i've read uh, you know 
you've got the general principle right and i believe it's more because of uh, rel- relativistic principles because uh, you know it comes down to basically i think you might have also heard that if you're flying close to a black hole then you perceive time differently uh, yeah. compared with your father away so yeah i think that's something to do with it but yeah i think you know that question uh, probably <laughs> we need to uh see if we can find someone who's into relativistic theory or something to answer that even even i i was of the mind that if you uh, approach a, approach any object that has a, a lot of mass the space time around it is wrapped in a different manner wherein the time is perceived a bit a bit slowly no see actually all the, the, i think this this has like also relation to this the definition of meter being changed right <clears throat> so it is fixed to somehow uh, the time so i believe uh, uh, so so you need to look at things from uh, uh, like different perspectives like time mm-hmm. itself is uh, as they were say uh, as the relativity concept says uh, that uh, it will dilate as you are saying it as we go close to mass but i think on the, that being change and synchronization of the clock might mm-hmm. be that uh, radiation related some issues also might be there uh, you just yeah. uh, explore that and you know uh, enlighten us also next time we meet yeah of course i mean I- i'll try to dig deeper into it but i only had the surface knowledge about it and like i said it i could totally be wrong and i just wanted to get an opinion from the experts So Abhijit, you had uh, unmuted. Uh, do you have any question? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, so I had one last question. You know, uh, and it's it's uh, maybe a bit specific, but uh, again, this is just from some side reading that I've been doing uh, because I have an interest in cars <laughs> and uh, internal combustion engines. So over there, basically, uh, they talk about uh, casting versus forging. uh when it comes to designing and uh, constructing engine metal engine blocks so there's also iron and aluminum and alloys and things like that but uh, you know do we uh, you also mentioned i think john you mentioned uh, casting as a process so uh, do we also use casting and forging for the various metal parts for spacecraft and uh, you know what kind of i think you also talked about the testing but uh yeah just uh, maybe some more information on that yeah yeah yeah, yeah we, we are using it in semi cryo we are using and i think arun is taking care of all the quality related aspects of that so i think he can enlighten you better arun yeah yeah abhijit yeah we are also using castings and if you see abhijit this casting i can tell you there are 66 types of casting process and the casting process is you know not a new process it was you know even uh, in some bcs also uh, this casting process was there earlier it was uh, used to make this jewelries as well as your uh, this equipments you know for war and all and over a period of time this process got refined 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 and now the main process which we are using it is a sand castings where you don't want much dimensional accuracy you only want a single piece near net shape then we are having investment casting which we are using for our aerospace application not only for uh, 
semi cryo but also for cusp and c25 these are the engines which we are using for these are the cryogenic engines and uh, sorry yeah yeah uh, please continue yeah. So we are using this investment casting route. Why preferably we have gone for investment casting route is that uh, this process is capable of you know producing a, as thin as three uh, mm wall thickness, and complex shapes can be we can achieve complex shape in one go. The production rate is very high once you optimize the tools that is the dies requirements and all the things are done and it's only a matter of how much you can pour. so because of this advantage we have gone for investment casting it is also having giving a very good uh, geometrical tolerances it is uh, claimed that we can achieve as close as to 6 microns uh, other than this uh, there are uh, uh, other than this there are processes like die castings which is mainly used for uh, uh, aluminum alloys which is having a narrow freezing zones and uh, very less superheat so if you overall see uh, as i told there are 66 types and why uh, automobile is going for that because automobiles need a mass production and for uh, the best answer to such mass production is the casting process so uh, that is the reason why in, why the casting process is very popular and yes uh, as i told uh, that we are also having it and coming to the testing part uh, i think this uh, madhvi has already asked how we characterize the component so if you see that uh, here also we do destructive and non destructive both and in non destructive it will be governed by mainly three techniques one is the radiography one is the die penetrant and other one is the visual and destructive testing as uh, i told earlier also it will be depending on the alloy as well as the application where it has to be used so i believe abhijit i have answered your questions yes yes that was very informative thank you thank you so much i would like to jump in and ask a question uh, so uh, there are many technologies that uh, uh, were developed with the help of uh, space agencies uh, one that i could think of is defense Uh, many of our uh, the you know satellite information that we get uh, it is facilitated by the uh, 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 it is facilitated by all the space agencies or the geospatial data that we get uh, can you guys arun and john talk about uh, any other unconventional application no, i mean that was you know, uh, geospatial, geospatial data, data is basically, is basically everywhere everywhere Uh, starting from uh, fisheries to agriculture which is the very backbone of our country and right. uh, th then climate change and uh, the circulation of uh, other disturbing agents so it's just become a very uh, such a major part of our life that you know it will be better to answer where all it is not useful so oh, you, you can talk about it yeah 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 so and uh, also so when you are talking about spin off technologies i was i think uh, talking telling before also that we have a project going on on heart pumps in our isro as a, one of our main projects and we have delivered artificial limbs uh, made out of composites and all which are used for handicapped people so yeah things are going on 
uh, in a very humanistic approach that we want to serve the people of this country right uh, arun uh, maybe you could also add in i think john has covered and he has rightly told uh, about this uh, uh, heart pump technology which i think we have uh, already developed and uh, i think it is also it is handed over to some medical uh, science institute and they are further working on uh, to the uh, functionality point of view uh, uh, how it can be you know made it realistic by implementing it on the human body i agree with john view okay okay thanks a lot for uh, answering it so i think uh, we could uh, now move forward to the uh, last part of the talk uh, so uh, this is a tradition on uh, permissionless learning that we talk about uh, the things that we've been working on uh, sharing our learnings or uh, our uh, projects uh, within the last two weeks so uh, maybe we can start we can start with abhijit what were you working on in the last two weeks or what is the uh, things that you learned ah uh, ah uh, yeah uh, hello yeah yeah oh okay. hello you are okay great great um so in the last two weeks again uh, i'm i'm pretty scatterbrained when it comes to learning new things so uh yeah i was i was sort of uh, going through so since we're talking about space technology specifically uh, i i watch a little too much uh, youtube so i was going through some veritasium and uh, some mark robo videos uh because those were directly related to space so yeah i was basically just learning up on the technologies that uh, are going into space per se so two things i found out about were one uh, around the mars rovers that are going uh, there's also chinese rover that is on the surface of mars and then also around uh, other technologies where we have uh, space telescopes there's the james webb space telescope so i found out that that is the successor to the hubble so that was something very interesting because the hubble space telescope is very old at this point and uh, you know it said that it's well past its service life and that uh, people didn't expect it to work this well for this long so yeah those were two interesting you know specifically relevant to these topics things that i learned about Yep. John, do you want to go in second? John, are you there? Last two weeks, I don't uh, like. Okay, the learning keeps on happening at various pace at, uh, at in various things in life. So last two weeks i think suddenly when you are asking i'm not able to like collate my thoughts into something meaningful for you people i won't waste your time with that please move so on. Uh, i know that you are the uh, perfect example of uh, permissionless learning you are learning uh, pretty much uh, everything on your own besides your work do you want to also talk about that what you've been learning apart from your work 
you mean to say my other uh, non technical things yeah like you know philosophy space law yeah like yeah that. okay so i developed a lot of interest into law after uh, watching this youtube videos by the one michael i think you 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 people might have also seen that ju- that topic was justice so that whole course actually started to inspire me to take up uh, law and i'm uh, enrolled for my llb here in kerala kerala university <clears throat> uh, so after that i want to pursue my space law and uh, if possible do my uh, like phd also in the same field yeah yeah that is a very interesting subject yeah uh, uh, before we, we move uh, you know since you mentioned space law that is also something i'm very really interested but also very ignorant about so just a quick question john uh, do we have at least for india do we have any you know formal sort of directives or amendments or any kind of uh, uh, you know things legislation that talks specifically around uh, say uh, uh, instruments in space or something like that yeah yeah so we have our that space activity bill 2017 with us and unfortunately it is still in the public domain and uh, it has not been passed uh, so like i'll go into the like you know just briefly and tell you what it all, all about is it's all about privatizing space and democratizing space so they are uh, like really encouraging uh, private players to come and take up uh, activities along with this row making sub components for us row doing research work for us row all these things are being encouraged in that and now recently we had also the space transportation policy 2020 and uh, it was also up for some public opinion and all and i also made one small video on that so uh, that basically uh, still more uh, it, ta- it it gives like you know a clear picture it's a very comprehensive policy so uh, yeah so all these things will definitely in this post corona world i think uh, space will definitely be picking up as a, one of the hot uh, industries uh, yeah and i had a question for you john so you said that you are going for your phd so uh, no, before no, joining yeah I, i planned i first i have not done my space law yet i plan yeah. to do it after my llb so that yeah so uh, had you gone for a masters before uh, joining isro or did you join is no i i joined isro through indian institute of space science and technology like i got in through iit je into iast and uh, that way i joined isro uh, okay. so i didn't yeah so uh, but i am doing some masters in philosophy and uh, sociology okay okay yeah Uh, i'm curious about one thing i wanted to ask john so there is this one person called dennis hope you you must be oh. knowing him still oh. land on dennis hope okay ha 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 he, yeah he's been selling land on moon so how did he get up <laughs> those craters and how is he selling land on moon actually regarding that it was something like uh, see uh, he applied to the un uh, saying that uh, he was in control of some country which was his own or something and uh, you, the united nations didn't uh, reply him back so he is claiming his own uh, right over the land and uh, right over any land is again a very tricky issue see you, 
there are no boundaries on geography right geography mm-hmm. is decided by hills and plains so mm-hmm. <clears throat> that way uh, okay they i it is a scam definitely for sure and uh, scams do keep on taking place we have to be educated and aware and uh, be vigilant mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah that that is what i wanted to confirm because he has made millions out of selling yeah, land yeah. on moon but i really didn't know if any individual or a country could actually claim land on on any uh, let's say non no, no no as per united mm-hmm. nation laws also it is a common claim of countries and sovereign countries mm-hmm. and uh, it is to be used for the betterment of uh, human kind and uh, for the utilization of uh, the whole universe as a whole brotherhood that is the spirit with which it is supposed to be uh, understood the, the claim on moon and or mars or anywhere for that matter now i am seeing facebook ads showing that you can become a mars be, be called as a what master or something if you buy mm-hmm. one square inch of land on uh, uh, somewhere <laughs> in scotland somewhere right so mm-hmm. all these con artists are there everywhere yeah <laughs> thanks thanks for it maybe i wouldn't fall prey to such such things now yeah yeah, yeah. i i have also actually seen uh, people selling uh, stars star uh, you can yeah you can also buy a star you can uh, yeah you can buy a star for yourself for anybody you want uh, you know the uh, the money or they they charge you very less it's very cheap so people may fall prey to that but i've seen my friends buy stars for their parents <laughs> okay okay so i think so, i think uh, you know when when you're saying buying stars i think you're saying the naming rights right so they can they name the star after the parents or something or like is it their property or something i'm no, i'm not they can they can let it buy it i mean it's wow. just like it's just like buying some property You have it in your name. I want to start. <laughs> uh, so Arun, Arun, you can you can tell us what you've been learning in the past two weeks or in the past month. My my learning, uh, uh, it is like uh, in the my core thing only. I think. Uh, Uh, whatever i am doing uh, may not be interesting to you people no no you can talk about it every everybody is interested in knowing what you've been learning so, and doing see last two week as uh, we got a challenge that we are going to replace one of our cast component by a additive manufacturing component and uh, the qualification part that is how to do the radiography and all has been interested on me so i was just uh, uh, you know preparing uh, uh, how to a uh, shooting a sketch kind of thing that how to take radiograph what parameter is required i was just going through what kind of defect uh, uh, additive manufacturing component can have so accordingly we have to you know fine tune our radiography parameters also so that our probability of detection uh, we can enhance it and uh, we can say that that certain level of uh, at least certain level of defect will we will be able to pick it up confidently 
so i was on that so that is what i did last two week that's nice uh, any common defects that you sorry hello yeah mari yeah any common defects that you come across while uh, testing these uh, additive manufactured okay uh, yeah that's a very interesting question now what i understand this additive manufacturing the defect you can classified into two types you see there may be a lot of jargons but you don't uh, bother about that make the thing simple there are two kinds of defect in that one defect which will be lying you know within the same plane like a delamination kind of thing then there will be another defect which will be lying across the plane like a loose particles some powder particles segregated here and there so detecting this loose particle kind of defects which is having some volume some jet direction uh, you will be all will be very confident but the, there is a trick in detecting the uh, you know defects which are lying within the same plane because their the third dimension will be very less so to improve our detectability we have to fine tune our parameters requirements so while going through this is what i understand and there are people are naming different types of defect they will tell somebody will tell delamination somebody will tell you know uh, elongated void somebody will tell elongated porosity so that kind of uh, nomenclature is there but uh, to keep the thing simple i believe if you remember that there are two kinds of defect one is uh, across the layer other one is along the layer that is the gist of entire additive manufacturing uh, right. defect philosophy mhm okay that was something interesting um i have a follow up question to this but i think i'll ask you that personally and uh, we can move forward to stomach uh, do you want to talk about what you've been learning in the past weeks yeah i mean yeah i mean boring for boring for other folks uh but uh, but hello can you hear me yes yes yeah sorry i thought there was reverberation but okay yeah yeah i think mother is mic is echoing but yeah continue all right no worries so i mean uh, i'm computer uh, computer engineer so basically i'm i'm doing my work along with um, contributing to open open source and kraken api gateway but apart from that regarding space i think i've been uh, viewing the documentary of ufo files declassified and it's quite interesting i'm i'm i don't know it could be weird for some people or it could be but i do like the thoughts of alien being existing and i am a big advocate that uh, human being in itself are a kind of a proof that aliens do exist we just don't know yet if they have visited earth or not so yeah uh, in space it's more or less ufo and aliens and and not, i don't know if somebody wants to have a conversation about it but that's what i've been doing this past couple of weeks interesting uh on a side note since you mentioned extraterrestrial life one other thing i've been doing way too much of in the last two weeks is watching this show called the expanse i don't know if anyone's heard of it 
and uh, i don't know how many will you know even like it but it's their own prime video and i really like it so yeah that's another thing thanks man i'll check it out akash do you want to go in next uh yeah sure so uh last weekend i published a new youtube video so i had a lot of learnings around camera placement and mic placement and uh lots of failures with how i was recording so there was a lot to learn in the oh, on that and uh, this week uh on in my work i was uh, working on moving some pages from wordpress to our own format so that we could publicly host them and allow other people to edit those pages so i had a lot of learning around that so yeah that would be okay i'll go in next so uh, i had this writing gig wherein i had to write on a subject that was co- nowhere near my background i am a mechanical engineer and i i had to write about uh, uh, a thing from uh, i mean a subject uh, which was completely alien to me so there's this framework called as xamarin.com i guess uh, abhijit stomik and akash you guys would be knowing about it so i had to write about it and uh, basically i did not know what a framework is uh, then i got to know what a framework is what a compiler is and uh, you know all these things can be different and uh, same at, uh, uh, and uh, similar at the uh, same time so this xamarin.forms is a framework which is based on another dotnet framework and runs uh, on c sharp so this was something uh, challenging for me i had to learn it from scratch and i have zero background in coding so yeah that's what i've been learning in the past week we have ostap here uh ostap do you want to talk about what you've been learning in the past two weeks oh thank uh, you but i don't learn too much about stuff in my life in recent two weeks i was on kind of vacation okay so i think then we'll wrap it up thank you john and arun for joining us today we had a great uh, uh discussion and very engaging discussion i have yasir here so yasir do you have any questions we are just wrapping up do you have any questions for arun and john I have invited you Yasir can you just uh, accept the invite link and talk Okay there seems some problem Yeah so thanks Arun and John for joining us today uh, it was a very interesting uh, and engaging discussions over here the audiences I I 
am uh, definitely sure that the audience is enjoyed and uh, yeah so uh, do you want to talk about something akash do you want uh, to say no. something uh, no i think it was no. a, i think it was a good session you hosted it pretty well thank you yeah thanks a lot so have a great day guys bye bye now uh, just uh, just a second madhvi yeah, yeah yes i yes. i would like to thank you akash abhijit shramik and all your team and our john my john our friend john also uh, today i got a new perspective uh, that uh, we should also see other than our core subject so that i am taking uh, you know as a as a good learning good part of this today's session because most of the time i am uh, working mainly in our core field but today with uh, you know with a with a kind of discussion i had and i have observed with you all guys i feel yes i also should uh, start looking uh, you know something uh, other than my core job also so thank you very much for uh, for this session uh, thank you all thank you